Welcome to Awakening the Body, conversations around sexuality, psychedelics, trauma, shame, acceptance, and loving self-kindness. How can we bravely co-create safe enough spaces for our erotic and ecstatic selves to emerge and flourish, opening up to radical self-love for our weird, wonderful, and full beingness? I'm your host, Rachel Charlie. Somatic sex educator living in Jojoge, Montreal, on the unceded indigenous lands of the Gonyongohoke Mohawk Nation. This is episode six, The Water of Life, a conversation with Jenny Anstey around her learnings as a human, osteopathic practitioner, teacher, and guide on the land and water. Jenny is based in Montreal. She brings over 20 years of experience with her understanding of osteopathic principles to her private and group sessions, aquatic courses, and workshops. Her work supports body alignment, nervous system balance, rehab after surgery or injuries, and integration of challenging experiences through body work. Her fascination with water's therapeutic properties and its ability to facilitate movement is at the core of her land and aquatic-based practice. She brings a holistic bodywork approach where the body's harmony resonates with a symphony of nature's forces. You can check the show notes for her website if you wish to learn more. We talk about Jenny's journey into embodiment, how that correlates with her work both in the water and on the land, learning and trainings, as well as referential experiences that have helped her navigate the complexities and needs of support to having a full practice of clients and a full life of dance, movement, teaching, family and love. Her journey and ways of thinking and being in the body are unique. And it was a joy to have this conversation with this human that I call friend, colleague, and mentor, and to learn more about her and her world. I hope that you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and thank you for listening. If you are interested in financially supporting this podcast, you can find a link to buy me a coffee on the show notes. Thank you so much. great to have you here with me today in my little house. (laughs) Thank you for receiving me. So I have known you um, mainly as a friend and somebody that I've worked like collaborated with, would you call it? I don't know. What would you call this thing? Yeah, you were able to come and also receive my work in the water and on land. And then we decided to do some collaborations, melding our professional practice work experience and diving deeper into what our own needs are also so that we can continue to evolve and serve others. Yeah, I definitely received your work on land and water and I actually still continue to. Yeah, and it's been three years and just kind of like learning who is Jenny and so many things that you've been involved with in your life and this podcast is also like I'm going to be learning more and I've already learned more just thinking about what to ask you and how to do this. So this podcast is really about the work of somatic sex education, dipping into like the use of psychedelics sometimes and also really with all of that embodiment and what that is and Uh, One thing I know about you is this journey in your life that you've had through different learnings and your work about your body. And that includes really science-based learning about the body and working as an osteopath, teaching that, and so many other things that we'll bring up later. And your own journey within the body and dance and movements, kind of a a bit of everything. Yeah, life is experimental, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
we we turn back and serve and teach, but really it's also keeping your headlamp forward and and always experimenting, 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 and learning more about yourself in so many things. And usually that comes from from certain questions or certain rejections of what we're taught to believe. Mm-hmm. And then we have to say, oh, hold on. Do I believe that? Oh, is this how it really is? Because I think if we know, then it's not the ultimate truth, you know, because life is ever evolving, ever we're self-generating and self-evolving beings. Mm-hmm. And so there always is this exploration aspect that I've always been engaged in mm-hmm. and will continue to until the day I leave this plane, <laughs> this body. <laughs> so I think some of the questions today are going to be around what actually is embodiment. Mm-hmm. Also, what is the self? What is other? How your approach to working with people and a little bit about science and science-based and what that means and how we can use everything. Perfect. Yeah. So, oh, and squirting. We can talk about that too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just curious as, as a human and for your like personal life experience, how do you feel like you've changed over time And how do you think the things you've learned have changed you? This is a really broad question. And who are you as a child? Mm. Well, I was a fairy in the woods. I grew up, (laughs) I grew up a lot outside and I really played so much in my imagination and my little moss houses in the middle of rural Nova Scotia. Um, But having that solitude and moments of being in nature have some have really been something that's formed me a lot for sure i also spent a lot of time in newfoundland around the water and the sea and that really is also part of my professional work is the fluid body and bringing that fluidic memory back to us uh, not only from what we had in the womb but this sort of ability for us to remember that our bodies are full of water but there's also kind of invisible water just when like water if you leave it on the counter in a little bowl long enough it's going to evaporate and where does that water go it becomes evaporated water so we have our physical body that is limited by skin and we have our part of ourselves, part of the water that was inside also kind of like frogs that are breathing through the skin you know there is this another invisible field around the body almost like I see it like a, a plasma field mm. that is a continuum of our fluid body So my childhood did form what my current explorations, let's call it, is of our body. What is the limit of our body? How are our bodies? And how is that interfacing the world? And when I walk around or if I'm coming up close to somebody, how are we overlapping? How are we interfacing each other within these also more subtle fields? Because that is ultimately how we are doing a lot of communication also that is not just verbal. Mm-hmm. We were having a conversation before about bringing together different fields of uh, wisdom and ideas. And sometimes I feel when something is purely what we might call science-based, that it feels narrow, whereas the idea of science is, is to be open, to be adventurous, to explore and to experiment. And I'm wondering what you think about that because a lot of your original learnings would be considered that and then you dove into all these other fields that are not considered that, working with sound healing, which actually could be very much that, um, crystals, um, even osteopathy, right? Mm-hmm. So how how do you reconcile those things? Well, for me... If I think about science, well, I think that I'm inspired by sort of the mad scientist mentality. I don't know if it's an archetype, but this mad scientist doing a lot of different experimentations to see what works, what doesn't work, and using observation. If I could learn one thing from science is that one of the things that we really can trust is the power of of observation or using our senses mm-hmm. to observe what's happening around us. And then from there, we're developing all kinds of ideas. Sometimes it's easier to explain this in story. And one particular story that's very marking for me are some of the textbooks that I had at McGill in physiology. I mean, I, I did 
prepare to go to school. I wanted to be a physiotherapist, you know, and I did all kinds of volunteering in order to be able to even apply in this very competitive program. Every year they didn't accept me. They didn't accept me. And it's a good thing they didn't accept me because I'm, I'm really happy to do the work that I'm doing now and, and not work in physiotherapy. Although there's a lot of similarities, but one of the things that I remember is this concept around the cell gate mechanism. And this was a scientific fact in these scientific books where, you know, calcium comes in and there's this gated channels and they have this shape and this kind of molecule fits in this shape on the cell wall. And then it lets it in according to the, you know, polarization of the membrane. And I know that sometimes they're explaining these concepts through models, right? So there's a lot of in science, quote unquote, there's these modeled theories, these gated, because mm-hmm. they're, again, I, I, so I see this, what we call science, but it really is, again, these, let's propose this theory or let's propose mm-hmm. this thing. When you're young, you mm-hmm. think like, oh, that's how it really is. There's a, a shape fits into this and it opens the gate and all that. And when I discovered work in sound, I was like, Oh, no, 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 it's frequency based. You know, this is, there's a communication on a frequency mm-hmm. level of how our membrane or, or on a cellular membrane may be permeable to substances that it needs or, or waste products that come in and out of the cell. And so I kind of like, oh yeah, this is another example where you should like burn the textbooks, you know, like throw them mm-hmm. out. They're not mm-hmm. true. So it's again, this ability to, Whatever we think that we understand or whatever we think that science has like held up as the, this is the gold standard, you have to be also willing to break that down mm-hmm. through looking at new models or other ways of understanding things. And so I always take everything science with a grain of salt mm-hmm. and learn to question. And ultimately, that is, I think, a very healthy thing to do is always question mm-hmm. what we're taught yeah. and, um, and know that we're all searching for the ultimate truth, whatever that is. Yeah. And these things change. Like, I'm 55, so when I went to school, most of the things I was taught don't really hold anymore, and they've changed so much in such beautiful and intelligent and gorgeous ways. It's like, oh, my God. Every time I update a little bit of that or throw some of that out, it's like, oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So there's all of this, and you're working with bodies, and I feel like there's a mystery to working with bodies. And I feel like you've been inquiring into this mystery all these years. You write about what is the mystery? What are the hands when they're working with somebody? What is actually happening there? Yeah, what is happening when we are working with another human together? Yeah, it's almost like one plus one doesn't equal two. (laughs) How one plus one creates a dynamic field field around which it creates a vortex. Ultimately, I love that exercise that you can do that sort of energy taffy exercise, you know, where you rub your hands together and you rub your hands together and then just hold them uh, facing each other like you're holding an imaginary ball and then just start to sense you're pulling them apart, pushing them together until you start to feel that your hands become like taffy. And sometimes I practice that just to see how far apart I can pull my hands and push together. You can create a dynamic pole, like the the hands, if you, they were electrical devices, one is negative and one is positive, but they can also become positive, positive, negative, negative, mm-hmm. positive, negative, negative, positive. So the figure eight uh, energy that gets created between your hands is uh, a real force that then let's extrapolate that little energy ball that you could have in your hands as as a body that we work with when we're working Mm -hmm. with a body Mm -hmm. between. Mm -hmm. We're creating current. And we know from looking at vortexing water, when you have a positive and negative pull, this is going to create a circulatory system or a vortexed energy within itself. So we're very much creating a dynamic uh, flux through the body, mm-hmm. just by placing your hands from the nature of what they represent. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love working and watching these kinds of videos of how water behaves within systems and the spiraling nature of, of all things, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. whether it be smoke rings or house shells. You have this unique way of perceiving what's going on in the body when you're working with people. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about here? 
<laughs> I, I'm thinking of what I was thinking about when I was parking my car coming here, <laughs> was which that? was if I hear one more time a client tell me, yeah, I just got to go get a scan or I got to go get a thing. When I hear that now, part of me, it's not that I judge it, but part of me thinks, yeah, but why don't you just close your eyes and go inside and look at from the inside your mm. body to see what's happening within mm. yourself. And I know that myself, when I've been sick, I actually have lost the ability to see, and I do need help, and I would like a scan, and I do need a colleague. Uh So I know that there's a need for some things, like some of these technologies that we're using medically to be able to diagnose and to see different things. But ultimately, when you ask me that question, Mm -hmm. I sometimes do see inside of bodies. Mm-hmm. And that does come from a practice that I have done with myself to travel inside my own body and look at it from the inside, mm-hmm. if I could explain it like that. Yeah. And those are not things that I tried to cultivate, but they were experiences that slowly happened. And then I, over the years, have built on them from using um, personal practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can give you a specific example which was that my grandmother and my father had Dupuytren syndrome, which was a syndrome in the hand where it's a big contracture. Mm. And I started to have that on one of my hands. And uh, the first person I went to see, he said, well, no, you need to go to the neurosurgeon immediately. And I have a good contact for you. I'm going to send. And I was like, no, 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 no. First, I'm going to work with that. And I'm going to look what's happening. So this was a colleague in osteopathy. But as they were working, I just... I, if you imagine your whole body as an orb, mm. I practice the practice of shrinking myself down, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie, you know, like a, mm-hmm. your whole body is a, an orb and then you just shrink down, 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 down. And I went from seeing it in my eyeballs to traveling down to my inside and my central channel in the core of myself. And I literally, like a spaceship, traveled down my arm and it took a long time. This wasn't during the session because I had practiced this technique before. But I made myself infinitely small. Anima and mahima. It's actually one of those virtues that can be cultivated or that are talked about a lot in yogic texts Mm. as well. Mm. But I got really small and I went down inside my hand and looked out from the outside. And only when I got inside, I saw, I could see my tendons. I could see them all crunched up. And I looked like I couldn't couldn't receive. My Mm. hand was literally... I mean, it was maybe physically open, but energetically, it was very, 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 very close, like a tight, tight, tight fist. Mm-hmm. So make no wonder those tendons were seizing. My hand was like a claw. Mm-hmm. It was enough, honestly. I had one, one session with my colleague. But I know that part of it was seeing that energetic and being able to say, I'm practiced then after that, like, how can I receive? Mm-hmm. How can I let someone mm-hmm. else in? How can I let in? Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, you know, I had to practice that in daily life. But that technique or that practice, uh, yes, I might do that with people when I'm working with them. Mm-hmm. But I encourage them to do the same mm-hmm. or to cultivate that. And mm-hmm. sometimes people, it might not be vision. It might mm-hmm. be auditory mm-hmm. or it might be sensation-based or it might be something, a cool superpower that they don't even know they have to be yeah. able to um, but sometimes it does involve closing the eyes and tuning in and mm-hmm. and going inside and learning how can you be your own best technology? How can you um, perceive? And to me, that's embodiment in a way also. That's when you know, or at least we start with desire to want to try to cultivate those mm-hmm. things or to mm-hmm. want to try to not just be in the outside world with eyes looking out. I have a few thoughts about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. One is, I mean, I think it's possible for all of us. Just thinking like personally, because I, I think about this, it's not something that I paid a lot of attention to in myself until I was doing my training in Shiatsu and traditional Chinese medicine and I was working with a lot of people. And then I noticed that I couldn't control it. If I noticed it was happening, it would go away. And because also like like studying the insides of bodies and what they look like and where things are situated, I found that sometimes I, I would just be seeing through into their bodies. Mm. 
And it would just happen. It's not something I could control. And then when I stopped practicing for a long time, it just stopped. But I'm wondering how much of that capacity, I think it's a part of embodiment, not the whole picture. And I think that capacity comes, if we're working with a lot of people, it often just starts to happen, I think, to people that might just be open or receptive or somehow have that. And then it becomes like just this this thing. Yeah. And you've been working with people for such a long time, so it's highly cultivated, and then you use it in yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a part of embodiment. Yeah, exactly. And not everyone, you know, it's just that I, I feel that embodiment itself or coming into the center of ourselves mm-hmm. may bring out mm-hmm. different ways of perceiving ourselves, Yeah, however that looks for each person. And I'm wondering what you think about this as a part of it. I noticed recently I've had a diagnosis for something that was shocking to me, actually. But when I looked back, when I relaxed a little bit from the shock, I realized I'd been working with that in my body without being consciously aware of it. Mm. I had this thought, and mainly through what I call a mindful erotic practice, which can be anything. You just follow what the body wants to do, or I do. Yeah. And I noticed that a lot of the things I'd been thinking, why am I doing this? I'm like, oh, no, I just it just feels right. I'm just going to do it, had actually been working with those things. So through that, I think the body has a wisdom. And if we just take the time to listen, yes, it's way less complex. And could you tell me a little bit about that practice, the the erotic mindfulness practices that you've been doing, how you may guide or, or guide people into those practices? Yeah, it's a really beautiful, simple practice. It's really a time container, let's say uh, five minutes if you have no other time. 20, 40, an hour. I like having music. I like it to be timed. And just like, what does my body want? And you can use so many tools just to start, like movement, 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 dance, touch. Where do I want to be touched? And it's just so simple. But if it's regular, you find themes that come up. Like right now, I think if I was going to do one, uh, my feet are asking for something. Hmm. And it's this, it's, it's simply a body exploration, but it's mindful erotic. So it can include pleasure, orgasm, the whole body, right? It's just like following what, what is it that wants to move? What is it that wants to be touched and staying as present in my body as possible? And thoughts are directed towards what am I feeling mm-hmm. rather than shopping lists. Got it. So it's, it's really, really simple. Yeah. Yeah, so back to it, different ways of perceiving the body, like I use the word embodiment, but actually what is it? And it seems to be different for everybody. And some people talk about it. Um, I had Mehdi talking on a podcast and he was saying something like, I wasn't embodied, but I didn't realize it. And then there was this journey, Mm. right? I have a lot of thoughts about that, but what do you think about that? (laughs) It's <laughs> so funny what comes up just just like that. Like when you you have a question, it's like, whoop, this image comes to mind, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'll share the image of one of the sound trainings that I had with my teacher in Vermont. And just to backtrack quickly, I was working for clients for many years in personal training after university. And then I, um, you know, did a seven-year program in osteopathy and we're also concurrently starting to treat like a student, you know, in osteopathy. Yeah. But I realized at that point after about graduating, I, I was starting to get the sensation that I was taking on really the same trajectory of pattern or pain that a client would have. They described sciatica going down their left leg, just below the knee. Lo and behold, I would limp out of my office with the same sciatic. And I'm like, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I'd be clearing the sciatica for the next week. Mm. Now, for some reason, it wasn't obviously with every single client, but sometimes it was so uncanny that it was exactly the same thing. Like when I say, like, oh yeah, I have this pain that starts in the back of the neck and then travels up around my ear and ends up by my temple. And yeah, it happens. And then I literally within 
you know, 20 minutes of walk out. And I thought, this is not sustainable. I can't have a career in this body work crap. Like this is, <laughs> I'm like out of here, <laughs> you know? So I was just really quickly realizing like, fuck, I need help and I need help now. And I was at this seminar where this guy was talking about galaxies and toroidal fields and like the spiraling nature of the planets and the which was my teacher Zakiah. So he was not even talking about body work. He wasn't talking about sound. He wasn't talking about, he was just talking about what is your essential nature and showing all of these NASA photographs, you know, of galaxies. Whatever, I didn't think it mattered what he said. I just zoned in on him like a, and I was like, whatever this guy's teaching, I don't even care. I just need to work with him. Mm-hmm. So he became my primary teacher. Well, he has been my primary teacher for many, many years now, last eight years, maybe even. So we did a three-year sound healing training. I used to drive down there <laughs> for four or five days. And it was a deep, deep dive where you the whole outer world is gone. And you're just working with um, yourself through this nature of sound practices. But to answer your question about the embodiment was one practice i remember it was like now i'm going to when i say my guides don't don't be disturbed <laughs> but it was literally like i saw beings or maybe you want to call that my higher self or whatever you want to call that came down and put these ginormous plumbing tubes i'm talking about those kind of tubes that they have when they're doing construction on the side of the road and they came right down through the crown of my head and <laughs> jammed it down like a hammer until it got right down into my pelvis. And I was like, what the hell? In other words, I felt like I just got hammered into some kind of a template that was my center. Like, hey, here's your new center. We're going to insert a plumbing tube right down the middle of you. And honestly, to this day, it's like oh my God, I'm going to cry because it's like the most marking experience. Brutal that I've had of embodiment through my center. When I hear people saying that, like a guided meditation, go into your center, go into your center. Honestly, I kind of mocked it. (laughs) Because I was like, la la la, go into your center. What the fuck? What is that really? Mm -hmm. Until literally I had that experience and I felt like, Oh, okay, now I'm going to frame my awareness around this this template that goes right down through me, you know, mm-hmm. and it was such a beautiful, actually, it wasn't a beautiful, it was a beautiful experience afterwards, because I had a lot of endorphins for about mm-hmm. five days, mm-hmm. I felt like I was in a permanent orgasm for about five days mm-hmm. after that. So it was kind of intense, although the experience itself literally felt like I was, yes, had a tube hammered down my middle. <laughs> and I started to understand the good juju, let's call it. Yeah, there's so much in that. Just for the listeners, this was not, you weren't using any psychedelics. No, and it's really funny that that I'm meeting you, Rachel, and that this is a theme of what you're wanting to talk about, the psychedelics, because I also came from, I didn't do any drugs during uh, my teen years, during my adult years. I gave birth naturally with no drugs. In fact, I was so fearful of having medication. Mm-hmm. Even after childbirth, I didn't take a Tylenol. They were like, have a Tylenol. I'm not taking anything. And this training also, I mean, I remember learning how to journey, deep, deep journeying with nothing. And it's only after I trusted myself that I could go far and come back or deep, whether it's going out in the universe or going deep inside the self and coming back to whatever my regular self is, which is now a new, (laughs) a different being that I may have known um, many years ago. Now I feel that I can... I don't, I'm not fearful of trying some mushrooms. Oh, I'm going to try an experience, work with another sacred plant medicine. And I've developed that reverence, but also a trust to the point where I can actually also now judge less and less someone who might come into using plant medicine as an opening experience Mm -hmm. for them to open. And maybe they come to the plants 
first in order yeah, to yeah. to journey and that that's okay it doesn't matter whether you did it au naturel i'll say like how i did it using sound and mm-hmm. and this other process and crystals and different things that i had done over the years or whether you are using going the other way and then coming to plants or you're using it the other way around i think all of our journeys are are unique and we're definitely um, so lucky to have the allies of many realms, whether it be the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, and our and our human guides um, to help us. And I think the beauty of psychedelics is that we can go to those spaces in a fairly predictable manner. Yes. Oh, gosh, I've got so many questions from what you just were saying, especially about the central channel, um, especially about the self and the not self. So I'm just trying to weave this with this all in because it's it's so interesting to me. Um, I know. I bubble up just get it. (laughs) I'm just like, so, okay, let's start first. I'll try and and keep this all in a kind of a, a flow. So this was a pretty deep experience and foundational for you. Have you had any psychedelic experiences that have been similar to that? Do you find that the space is similar or different? Well, I have very limited experience, Mm -hmm. I will say. Um, I mean, I did mushrooms a little bit when I was in university many years ago, but that was more of a just go walk around the city and laugh and Mm -hmm. giggle. Mm -hmm. Um, As opposed to recently, it has been a space more of observing what comes mm. in the last year and a lot of colors yeah i was going to ask about that your your learning of colors yes and i had a teacher her name was mary swain and god bless her she's passed away now but i remember her when i would be having these wild fantastical experiences and i'd be going down to vermont and i'd come back she was a therapist as well that i would see mm-hmm. uh, as well as i did many of her courses and classes but um, I would describe a lot of things very, very, very vividly. Like, oh, I was in a temple and I had this these white snakes working through my body until it came and ate, you know, something around my arm. And then I could mobilize my, my body. Whatever it was, mm-hmm. I was really having super vivid experiences and bringing those to her. And she'd say, uh-huh. She'd <laughs> say, go up higher, go, go, go up more. And she said, I want you to, to think about that experience until you no longer see the visual and you're just in the realm of color. And she would say that that the plane that I could experience that on, the layer that I was experiencing, also existed on another layer Mm -hmm. that was a layer of sound or color and light. Mm -hmm. And so she was an amazing teacher for that. And she would always just say, keep going higher. And she would use the word higher, which I kind of didn't like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had to trans, I had to translate. And whenever a teacher says something that I don't like, I don't write it off. I just sort of say like, Oh, I got to translate that for myself. Like what yeah, works for yeah, myself right, in that? Yeah. So recently with the mushrooms that it has been very much learning about what is this fundamental nature of purple or pearl you know and how does that interface my not only my being but my emotional body Mm. wow i don't know how that links into anything but i know that the colors for me are are increasingly important and i think for me i'm seeing that that is part of this invisible nature of the this plasma field, mm-hmm. how do I experience the plasma, which is multicolored that exists mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Our, our body? Well, colors are light. So clearly mm-hmm. to you, light, uh, water, these things are really important. Yes. Yeah. And I'm curious about the central channel. My curiosity is leading to something that may or may not be what you think. Yeah. But I've noticed a lot of my experience with psychedelics, particularly in the space of 5-MeO-DMT, have really been about me settling into the central channel and really feeling it. And when I'm in doubt, noticing that I move outside. So noticing in my day-to-day life, if I have doubt or I'm confused, to go into the center and then operate from that that place. Uh-huh. And lots of other things, like that. there's so much about the central channel mm-hmm. that seems to be really foundational to who we are. Yes. And I'm wondering about that question with you, but tying it into who am I, who are you, what is the self, what is other, and if 
working with the central channel is kind of like key possibly to that understanding? Yes, it's a big question. It's like, whoa, opening up the doors. Yeah. Well, this is what, like, if 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 we take psychedelics, this these are some. Well, if, when I take them, these are the questions that come up. Yes. I don't know about other people or you, but I've heard that this these kinds of questions come up for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's reminding me of what I've witnessed. There was a book, uh, Dowser from France, who's studied a lot of people's fields around certain power sites, certain um, churches, particular vortexes, mm-hmm. different rock formations. And he brings groups out, but he measures, looks at their field, and he has kinds of um, meters and technology that he uses. I, I think in, he even does the Kirlin photography uh, things as well. But he does say that the center line can mm-hmm. get displaced yeah. and very often to the left in his, a lot of his findings. I have to kind of search up that book to, I can try mm-hmm. to, try to find it. But, but you had yours like remade with a plumbing tube. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, but just to say that our center, that interface between, let's call it a, a different subtle body, maybe doesn't always match up. It doesn't always rush and doll into the center of this skin mm-hmm. body. And so, yeah, what is the rush and doll aspect of ourselves? Like, how are we nested into the different mm-hmm. layers of the self? Mm-hmm. And, and what is our the nature of our consciousness? Like, where does it yeah. live? You yeah. know? And these are questions that I bring into a lot of trips, particularly NNDMT. Yes. And I find there's these spaces I go into in the, into the crystalline and I'm asking, like, who am I? What am I? And it is like the Russian dolls. It's this creature nested in this creature nested in this creature nested in this creature. And it's like there's species inside me that have potential to become different, like over billions of years. It's like this creature of potential but also of a, a long past. And it's not always the answer I want to get. It can be really disturbing at first. Wow, that's so beautiful how you describe that. <laughs> <laughs> even though, even though, even though, how the some of those beings maybe or aspects of the self that you meet may be surprising or yeah. challenging to meet, and I feel like it's meeting all the aspects of my cells and my DNA, all the creatures, all the amoeba, all the all the cells, all the insects. Everything is just like nested inside and feeling as if I'm coming face to face with that. It's beautiful when I talk about it. But at the time, it can be really like, this is not human. Mm -hmm. I'm human. And what is human, actually? Yeah. What are we? What are we? What I feel like we are so much. We are interfaces. We can navigate through so many different dimensional spaces. Like, we have this potential. It's like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's another element too that I, I used to kind of think was cheesy when people, not cheesy, but I, I just didn't understand it. Like, and I'm still, we're all still learning, but mm-hmm. I remember having another very marked experience where I was having a, I was at a crisis point in my life and no joke, I literally was calling out for help in my mind and my teacher called me and he never calls me. And he just said, Jenny, are you okay? And I thought, what is this? And on the phone, like I'm on the phone in a really very distraught place. And he's like, I'm standing in front of you. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm in front of you right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting my partner behind you and we're in, you're Mm -hmm. in a safe sandwich here. And I just went silent. He stayed on the phone. We didn't even talk. And in that space, I felt that suddenly there was this like, Mud was just thrown on my body, like I was getting encased, like you were building a a wood oven from or a clay oven, mm-hmm. and it was like clay push, and I was starting to feel pressure and pressure and pressure, like like I was getting pushed in from all sides, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm building an oven, I'm becoming an oven, and it was so much pressure on my chest, so much press, almost like an anxiety attack, a. Pr- uh, and the pressure went until suddenly there was like a, a literally like a, a vent explosion through the top of my head. And 
the fire was lit in my heart for real, mm-hmm. for real. But until that point, I thought, I can't handle this pressure. I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the sandwiching in. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, this was also a super powerful experience of embodying my fire nature, I'll call it, mm-hmm. or the ability to alchemize that current situation. Mm-hmm. But now, in a funny way, mm-hmm. when I'm with a client in my office and they're bringing all the stuff, because it's something to be with people all day bringing their most yeah, heavy yeah. energy. And I tell them, what do you got for me? Like, let's in here in the office, like, you can leave it on the dance floor, bring it. And it's kind of like, I never ever get scared anymore or mm-hmm. feel that it's heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not true. Sometimes it is a little heavy, but I just, what helps me is that image of that experience mm. that I can draw upon mm. and I can say, oh, I'm going to eat heavy energy for breakfast. Oh, p- put it in the fire. Let's whoosh, like burn mm-hmm. off the energy. Like uh, I find it's easier by using experiences that I have had in these transformational spaces to carry me through my life. Mm. So whether it's psychedelics that people mm. are using mm. Or whatever types of situations mm. that come in, I think that it's serving us when when mm. it can help us mm. in our day to day. You know, when we're really in these, because we all get little hooks and jags and places where we we get stuck. And life on this planet is it's uh, a tough ride sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and when I listen to you speak about these things, I really get the sense that these experiences have really supported you in your work. Like if you hadn't have had these kinds of experiences of transforming, grounding, change, that you probably wouldn't have the capacity to be working in the way that you are with bodies and not least of all to be working like pretty intensively with a lot of people every single week. Yes, and I feel that I have a – it's not to toot my own horn here, but I feel that I can work – I work a lot and I have, I, I have the ability to be able to t- take a work up with a lot of people at once. And I, I'm absolutely certain it is because I did have, I did, and out of necessity seek these tools. Mm-hmm. I'd either be extremely sick because I've been mm-hmm. taking on too much from mm-hmm. other people or just quit altogether. I would never be able to do this work had I not invested in some type of tools that would assist. The hardest challenge is not going to work it's what you need to do to be okay to get to work (laughs) you know or when you get home how to how to continue to to transform things and that leads me to my other point was at the beginning of that everyone said oh yeah you know like protect yourself with this mantra or do these crystals and put these things on and Mm -hmm. so it was all this journey of how I was going to put up and oh you have to personal boundaries and oh and like they teach you this in school you know like Mm -hmm. how your clients over here and you're over here and all of these ways, which I understand are very important in other ways now, but there was a part of myself that rejected some of these models. No, I want to interface a client. I want to touch somebody as though all the way through the body, mm-hmm. through all the layers of the self. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I'm still exploring what that means really. And it's a hard thing to say. It's not that the body ends here at the skin or, and as therapists and body workers, mm-hmm. we learn to le- like, you know, lean into different layers of the being, whether you're working at the lymph level, the muscle level, the bone level, mm-hmm. to the center of the bones. Mm-hmm. And so there's a certain way of saying it's not self and other. In this moment, we are a unit. Mm-hmm. And we're literally working together. We become, mm-hmm. we're interfacing and, and interlocking our, our field. And so the limit between self and other is very blurred mm-hmm. for a time. And then how do you, how do you jump into that space and then also close the door to be able to mm-hmm. leave what's theirs, theirs to continue to work? Cause it's not my job to transform mm-hmm. these things, but it's my job to, bring to awareness what is not moving within the body so that they can feel, ah, oh, okay, here. And then perhaps coach them how how to guide mm-hmm. breath or just my hands themselves are bringing a certain movement like I was explaining with the water vortexes and just the nature of our electromagnetic bodies and how they work together. I have a couple of questions. The first one, though, is the one that I'm feeling the most, love. Mm. Is that what? these tools have allowed you to feel? 
Yeah. Wow, it's a question that I love that you're asking me because I feel that when a question temporarily stumps you, it means, ah, opportunity to, right. <laughs> to rainbow my definition of what that is and how I'm using that in, in my work. I also know that the endorphins that I remember as a child, I remember my aunt often brushing my hair mm-hmm. and the sensation of that, you know, that oozy, gooey feeling in the back of your, your neck when someone's really taking care of you, when you feel yeah, really yeah. that you could, ah, that you're safe and cared for in some way. That is an aspect of love that I remember feeling. And I feel that that aspect, a lot of people have described, oh, I feel that sensation in the brain, this sort of endorphin rush mm-hmm. um, in the brain. And it's the same in, with the pelvis too, you know, like mm-hmm. allowing all of the different places where we're, we're creating all of these feel good, good juju, I call it, yeah, is something yeah. that it's not the only aspect of love, but it's a loving sensation. And you work with infants and just bringing that in. Our biggest organ maybe is the skin. It yeah. was certainly quite huge. It's a, it's a differentiation between me and the outside world. Yes. And it's also uh, working like babies. This, this is the communication is touch. And I wonder if this is where love comes in. It's like our first experience of love is, is, is through touch and being close and being held. Yeah. And yeah. And your work with babies. Yeah. And they have a memory of being, you know, in the, in the womb. Mm. And I remember once we had a course, uh, there was a, um, a physician who came in to teach part of our pediatric course. And, uh, as he's working, he's, he was showing how sometimes, and he's not an osteo. He, I don't even think this guy knew a lot about what he, like osteopathy, even though he was coming to teach certain elements mm-hmm. in pediatrics. And he said, Oh no, you know, in my office, I sometimes I, I fold their little arm in and I can kind of see how they were in the womb. And I thought, Oh my God, this guy, <laughs> that's exactly what the babies um, do. They kind of come into their, um, sometimes they, they're recreating the yeah. original position so that they can then unfold more into their, uh, into the world in those first few weeks. You can start to see how mm. they were in the last little while according to the tensions that they have, but also they like to come back into those positions funny enough sometimes mm. as their comfort zone, as their, their rest position. Mm. It's so beautiful witnessing that working with infants is such a, they're great teachers on nonverbal communication and how they're able to give themselves what they need when they're in the right position or the ability to be able to move freely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to circle back to something that caught my ear. Orgasm for three days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you've, mentioned things like this to me before what is orgasm to you it's like the feeling of my aunt brushing my hair Mm -hmm. but on the whole the whole body Mm -hmm. orgasm for me also has an element of like it's like a freeze frame like I can't move I'm embedded in this it's a very thick, potent energy that feels like it has all of the uh, endorphins embedded inside it. And I literally feel in thick taffy. Mm-hmm. That's the sensation. So this was in a, this transformational experience. When I personally feel orgasm in an intimate relationship, it can mm-hmm. often feel like that too, where suddenly I feel, I love this sensation of feeling that it creates this moment of <gasps> like I don't want to move. Like almost everything comes to um, a standstill, mm-hmm. and then suddenly the body densifies, 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 densifies into this most pleasurable experience that I just never wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's regular person orgasm. I don't know, but that's the orgasm that I love, and it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. But it has happened. You, yeah, like after one of these workshops, and it happened a second time, once when my kids were little, and I was on the highway driving, a two-hour drive. <laughs> the typical orgasm while driving. <laughs> yeah, no, but it came out of left field. Like I'm driving down the highway, something, it felt like I 
my I didn't even have a sunroof on my car and it felt like this like a sunroof open and suddenly it was like a top down orgasm where my brain just poured uh like a black tar thick taffy I don't know what the sensation is coming right down through my body and I was almost had to pull over on the side of the road and it went right down and when it got into my pelvis it was like a party and then the pelvis was like, Body and pelvis yeah, it was like, oh, now that now that you're in the pelvis, the pelvis was like, oh yeah, well I got a party for you. And then that sent that <laughs> pelvis party up to my head. And then they were like back and forth, back and forth, like you're one of those kids tops, like you put like one of those pressed down tops that just starts spinning and spinning and spinning. It was well to this day, I've never experienced anything so spontaneous or double orgasm thing but it did start in that day like mm. top down and then it was bottom so it just up. happened there was nothing particular you were doing no. or thinking. yeah yeah i was driving for milk in yeah. Ottawa, to ottawa like really bizarre i i i can just add that driving does something for me sometimes too <laughs> and it, it is spontaneous for me as well and right. it's it i kind of like i sometimes i just stop it because it's like um I can't just pull over right now. I'm on the freeway, but yeah, particularly long, but sometimes it's just, I'm driving somewhere and it'll be like this almost spontaneous full body orgasm, which I don't have very often. Wow. And it's like, oh, now, like now, are you kidding? Now I'm getting right. it when I can't relax and I'm driving. I think it's the, the, the roteness of the drive and the kind of, they just like, I don't know. I've yeah. heard other people have these things when driving. Wow, we should create the driving orgasm revolution. <laughs> the driving orgasm revolution. <laughs> I think we're stable, right? We're yeah. for a period of time and mm. uh, upright. And I, I do like when I drive, you know, just like good posture or practice, yeah, yeah, like yeah. my back I've, up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, drive yeah. and you're shifting your car a yeah. few times just to get your, yeah, your yeah. back. And, I think yeah. maybe that's the impetus for it. It's finding that I, I do that too. I find that the comfortable posture and I get really like kind of involved in my body and I'm looking around everywhere, but I'm just like feeling the body. There's a part of the, the, the driver's chair that I can get my lumbar vertebrae against and it feels really good on my neck and I'm just like, oh, yeah, good juju. Um, yeah, I yeah. think it's a thing. I think yeah. It's a thing. But yeah. And oh, and that can be challenging. You know, I remember telling sharing that story with my partner and he's like, Oh, you know, now you don't even need me. And you know, so but but that the fact that he said that was fascinating because yeah. it did actually make me think, yeah, yeah, what is the point? Because I I wanted to deepen a you know, a relationship. Yeah. Experience. yeah. yeah. But it's still as a question that resonates in my mind. Yeah, how could we amplify that sensation or like bring back the memory field maybe or or maybe that's never going to happen again in my life and you know and I and that's okay it's like wow that was cool it's like I went to xyz place and I got to like you know have that in my in my journey passport in this lifetime and, and that's enough but also um mushrooms <laughs> sorry just had to put that in there Right. I mean, I have had those experiences with people with mushrooms. It was just like insane, and without actually. But wow. Yeah. 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 Well, haven't uh, it is haven't tried that with for the, for the adventure yeah. in you? <laughs> may I? <laughs> but one thing with the mushrooms is that I noticed that was amazing, and I feel that is very necessary for us too. You know, I always imagine the mushrooms is growing on you know, eating dead things, basically, you know, for me, they're like a, such a beautiful medicine for learning how to, to die to something, yeah, yeah. allowing my, my, my cells to, to melt more into a potentialized field, I'll call it, mm -hmm. which could look like a chaotic mm -hmm. field or, but you know, we're, we're coming alive and we're dying. We're coming alive. We're dying mm -hmm. in every moment. There's so much emphasis. I feel like sometimes in our culture for building up and doing all the things yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, expanding, expanding. And no, sometimes we also have to like <sighs> exhale, be small, yeah. go inward and, and die, die to the old mm -hmm. project. And maybe mm -hmm. you don't need to do this thing. Maybe whatever it is, mushrooms are in a, a beautiful ally to, for me, simplifying my life. Well, fungi transmutes dead material, so it transmutes yeah. death. So it's a really important part of it. 
Yeah. So I think we all all need a little bit more of of that. And I think it's ultimately great practices for that ultimate transition also. I mean, how else mm-hmm. interfacing those key moments, that mm-hmm. key moment that mm-hmm. we will live at some point, and who knows how that's going to be, but these are other ways of preparing ourselves, I think, which are important. So thinking about the importance of the element of water for you, we had a discussion before around the element of water and sexuality. Mm. And I have thoughts about that, but I'm really wanting to hear your experience of that. Yeah. Well, the first part of that is that I've had a relationship with sweating when I'm working, mm-hmm. like armpits, like a sweat mm-hmm. when I'm working, that's really, really intense. And I had all the thyroid tests and I had many things over the years and everything always comes back normal. But it's this relationship that I've had to water being mm-hmm. expressed from my body mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then recently I, you know, I've had two kids and this and that. And I thought, oh, I'm having like, sometimes when I would have like intimate relationships with my partner, this would would come up where I would like during orgasm, I would have, would almost be like, it would be better if we could be standing. And I didn't understand why I thought, oh, maybe it's the angle, but no, it was so that my bladder, so I wouldn't pee actually. Mm -hmm. Or that I, that actually I, the standing position, there was a position that was easier so that I wouldn't, because I, I felt like I was evolving to want to pee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then by practicing standing, it was really weird. I realized that it's like, oh my gosh, no, it's not that I want to pee. I think I'm going to ejaculate. Oh my God. I want to let go of like a fluid, yeah, but I thought yeah. it was pee to the point where then I was like, okay, maybe I put like a towel. <laughs> one tell <laughs> yeah or or something just to allow myself and then ex- but explaining what i'm working with and having a mary an amazing supportive partner to yeah. say like oh it's okay babe whatever you need to do like if you need a pp it's okay but i'm sharing that because what i realize now is what i thought was a tiny little bit of incontinence i'll call it yeah is actually the gateway to an ejaculation phase in orgasm yeah, yeah. And so it's so amazing. How is this thing that I was deeming as a problem? Oh, maybe I'm doing this. Actually, no, I'm now learning how to take two separate gates and be able to differentiate between different muscles or be able to, maybe it's not even about control. At the beginning, I feel, I still feel a little bit like, like I'm a two year old learning to walk, you yeah, know, yeah. like I'm learning a new skill. And, and we do that all the time. Let's say in osteopathy, we'll have to learn how to contract your glutes independent of the pelvic floor, contract mm-hmm. your abdominal wall, independent mm-hmm. of the pelvic floor. You have to be able to turn on, turn mm-hmm. off, or do particular distinctive movements. It's no different with my pelvis and all of the functions mm-hmm. of the uh, the glands there. So that's been the deep dive that I've been doing. And I'm just sending the message to anyone listening to this podcast that if you're feeling like you're on the verge of incontinence, let me tell you, you're on the verge of a breakthrough. And um, yeah. to continue to create a safe space for yourself mm. when you're having a relationship, even if it's with yourself or if it's with a partner that is a, whether it's in the shower, whether it's standing, whether it's your bed lined up with sheets or towels or whatever, and communication to let your partner know maybe what you're exploring, you know? Mm -hmm. It's also if you have a partner that maybe is not comfortable with peeing, Mm -hmm. you know, that's also could be a factor that could be limiting you. But I feel that sometimes when you can explain what your goal is, and and then that can slowly be changing and just check in. So that's my water. Yeah. And (laughs) luckily, there's so much information about that too now available to people. So for some people, they've been doing this always, which is such a gift. And for some of us, no, it's new. And for a lot of people, it's like, what the hell is this? And holding it back. And I find with a lot of things around sexuality, I've learned in myself, a lot of things naturally occur, but there's a part of me that's stopping it. Mm. And it's really, if I'm always stopping something, how do I know that I'm always doing that? Mm. Until I realize it's like, oh, I'm stopping my body from shaking. Mm. What happens if I don't? What's it going to release? What is this? Oh, I feel like peeing. What happens if I stop? And then there's also the the playing with the pee 
the is this P, is this not P? And learning to distinguish also involves a lot of room for a lot of P sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's like an inner gymnastics. Right? <laughs> it's like, oh, that felt like P. I was just trying it. And now will I have to change the mattress because that's the biggest puddle. This has happened to me. That's the biggest puddle I've ever seen in my life. And it went through the puddle-proof blanket and everything, <laughs> the mattress protector, everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but how amazing that you're creating that space for yourself or that you have those yeah, tools yeah, too. Yeah, and yeah. that's like, you know, like it's a, it's a setup. It's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fun to explore when right. things are really messy. It's not as fun to clean up, but I think it's really like, so what? It's fun. Right. It feels really relieving just to talk about that this stuff. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like maybe that's some of what you'll have on this podcast with other guests, right? Mm-hmm. It's just to be able to really, yeah. Um, open up like conversations that a lot of people may have, particularly around sexuality. Of course, yeah, this is yeah, the reason that yeah. you're wanting to talk about yeah. that because it's such a taboo area. Yeah. And one reason that it's important that even when people are not working with that maybe directly mm-hmm. in their practice, that it's still a self-exploration mm-hmm. of your mm-hmm. own body is so important to be mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. even just be comfortable with that conversation mm-hmm. if clients mm-hmm. bring stuff up mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? Hmm. What's kind of up for you in your work right now? What are the things that are really exciting you? Any special projects? Like what's really juicy for you? Hmm. Collaborations. I have a few things coming up with another artist who's wanting to work in the water with sound. And uh, she's another body worker, some community healing events for low-income families. Um, I'm redoing my website to have a little bit of online offerings, just to kind of put the homework platform and homework that I've been giving clients for eons uh, there. And mm-hmm. uh, before doing osteopathy too, I was doing more like Pilates and personal training. So I, a lot of my clients, I've known some of them for over 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So I'm kind of coming full circle, just kind of coming mm-hmm. back with some tools, some simple things. Mm-hmm. Um, some Eldoa stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. All those mm-hmm. spine decompression exercises, mm-hmm. which is basically a lengthening of that central channel. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been really thinking about, because I used to teach a lot of the cranial classes, and I, I love the mandate of teaching to other therapists, and mm-hmm. I do do that in my water-based therapy. Yeah. Bring Basically, my main mandate is having people bring their practice to the water, their professional mm-hmm, practice mm-hmm. to the water, and teaching people like continuing education stuff in the water. But I... I just don't like limiting it just to therapists. I really want to be able to just keep it simple and be able to help, you know, anyone. So mm. I like teaching the public. Like mm. I like teaching. You don't have to have a, a degree in this or you don't have to have a formation in this to be able to just do simple practices that are just yeah. improving everyday life. Because what's really alive for me is like a future book that I have in my head is called The Technologies and the Biology or, or something like that, which is basically being able to for us all to work with these simple practices that are being able to show us or improve our ability to be embodied and to like what is the magnetite in the body like like it's located in really particular places why is it in the inner ear why is it in this part of the pineal gland why is it in there's really particular things like i'm going to call them technologies that are in our body and the more that we're in this technological era and we have mm-hmm. all these techie devices, my true belief is that we're, we can use them as temporary crutches, these mm-hmm. outside technologies, but I never want to get lost in over depending on mm-hmm. my cell phone or whatever. I want to be able mm-hmm. to, okay, Rachel, I'm sending you the vibe, like text you like brain to brain and remembering that the more that we can learn about what the humans are creating technical-wise, that we are able to have that inside of us somehow. And so that's my mission, is to awaken that inner technology and and use it. Mm -hmm. So that's what's alive for me in, in my work. Great. 
Thanks so much for coming. And I'm going to be leaving some links in the show notes around some of the things we've talked about. So check them Yay. out and your website and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And I just want to thank you for all that you're doing in this world to bring the subjects that are passionate for you and just weaving that web of other people who are also on a journey of deep discovery. It's so exciting to talk about things that, that light us up. Oh, thank you, Jenny. And thank you so much for like all of the things that you've brought to me in like just the, the ways that we've done things together and that you've been like a yes to some of my wacky ideas. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, we have to go deeper and experiment. That's amazing. You can find my services for individuals, both online and in person, at my website in the show notes. And if you want to support my podcast, you can click on Buy Me a Coffee. That link is also in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening to this sixth episode of Awakening the Body with your host, Rachel Charlie.